The type of kelaim which the Masechta focuses on in the 8th parak is kelei behema, kelaim involving animals, and there are two basic prohibitions involved in this. The first one is mating the animals together, and the second one is working the animals together. Now we said in the previous Mishnah that when it comes to defining what an animal is, we follow the mother, and therefore a mule, which is a cross between a horse and a donkey, so a mule can only be mated with another mule, if their mothers are both the same, so either both the mothers are horses, or both the mothers are donkeys. But one mule whose mother is a donkey cannot be mated with a mule whose mother is a horse. And because of this, Haperutios, this is a type of mule whose mother's status is not known. We're not sure whether the mother of this mule is a horse or a donkey. Usually there are ways to know, but in this case the features which usually give away whether the mother was a horse or a donkey are not apparent on this particular animal. So if you've got two of these type of mules, then Asuros, it's forbidden to mate them together or to work them together, because it could be that one of them has a mother who is a donkey and the other has a mother who is a horse, which would be Kelayim. However, the Haramach, Haramach is some sort of animal whose mother is a horse. Some explain that it's a wild horse, but the point is the mother is certainly a horse, and therefore Mutter, it's permitted to mate or work a Ramach with another Ramach, or even a horse, because we consider the Ramach to be a horse, because its mother is a horse. Now, because we're talking about defining animals and their status, the remainder of this Mishnah, and really the next Mishnah until the end of the Perek, will list a number of animals and define what type of animal they are. And the first animal on the list is a very interesting creature, and that is the Adne Hasode, which literally means men of the, f- of the field, wild men, and it refers to a certain creature whose hands and feet, as well as its face, is like a human being's, but it has a cord which is connected to its belly button, which connects it to the ground. So this creature is actually connected to the ground, and its life depends on being connected to the ground. So if this cord is cut, then the animal lets out a giant yell, a massive groan, and it dies. However, anybody who gets anywhere near this creature, as long as the creature can reach it, because it can't go that far because it's connected to the ground, but if you go near enough, then it rips the person to shreds. It's a very violent creature. And the mission tells us that is considered a wild animal. There are different categories of animals, domesticated, wild animals, and this creature comes under the category of a wild animal. And bearing in mind the description, this certainly makes sense. Now what difference does it make what it's considered? With regards to Kilaim, it doesn't make a difference. We learnt in uh, Mishnah early on in this Perek that with regards to Kilaim, it makes no difference whether an animal is domesticated or not. But one example of a practical difference of whether it's a Chaya or not is that if somebody says, let's say, I am selling so-and-so all my wild animals, so the Adi would be included in that sale. Rabbi Yossi, Omer Rabbi Yossi says, because this creature has similarities to a human being, it's actually considered a type of human being, at least with regards to the laws of purity, and therefore Matamis Ba'oihel Ke'odom. They can make things impure via Tumas Oihel, like a person. Tumas Oihel refers to Tuma, impurity, which is transferred from a dead body onto something else, by either being under the same roof as that thing, or by being under or over that thing. So what the mission is saying is that just like if a human body was under the same roof as something else, the other thing would become Tome, so too if this creature was dead and it was under the same roof as something else, or if it was directly above or directly below something else, then that thing would become Tome. Alright, onto the next creature, Hakupod. A hedgehog or a porcupine. The Chulvas Hasnoyim. Some sort of weasel which lives in the bushes. These two things are also considered chaya, they're considered to be a wild animal. And the point of the mission is that they're not considered a sheretz. A sheretz is a type of small, crawling animal, 
and a dead sheret can make things tome in a different way to a wild animal who is dead can make things tome. And the difference is as follows. When it comes to a wild animal which is dead, if somebody either touches that animal or carries the animal, and he doesn't need to do this to the entire animal, even if he just touches or carries the size of an olive, a kazayas of the animal, then he becomes tome. On the other hand, when it comes to a sheretz, one can only become tome from it if he touches it, but there's a stringency in that you can become tome even if you only touch the size of a lentil. Even then you become tome. So according to the first opinion of our Mishnah, these two animals are considered a chaya, which means that if you touch or carry at least the kazayas of it, then you'll become tome. However, chulaz hasinoyim, when it comes to this type of weasel which lives in the bushes, Rabbi Yossi says in the name of Eshamai, that there's actually a doubt as to whether this is considered a chaya or a sheretz. There are eight types of shiratzim, eight types of sheretz which the Torah lists. And one of the things which the Torah lists is called a chuled. And according to Yossi, we're not sure whether this creature, the chuldas hasnoyim, is part of the category, is it considered a chuled? So we're not sure whether it's a sheretz or a chaya. So because we're not sure, we give it the stringencies of both a chaya and a sheretz. And therefore, metama kazayas b'masa, it can make somebody tome if he carries a kazayas of it. That's a stringency which applies to a chaya, that even just by carrying it, it can become tome. But we adopt the stringency of a sheretz with regards to touching it, one can become tome by touching even the size of a lentil. Mission involved. next type of animal, sherbar, a wild ox, According to the Tanakama Min Behema, it's considered a domesticated animal, and therefore we ignore the fact that it's wild, and we consider it to be a normal ox, and therefore it can be mated with an ox, can be worked with an ox, it wouldn't be kilayim. However, Rabbi Omer Rabbi says, Min Chaya, it's considered a wild animal, meaning it's not considered to be the same as a regular ox. So you would not be able to mate it or to work it with a regular ox. And these two opinions, they both learn it out from Psukim. And another important ramification of whether it's considered domesticated or not, and this isn't re- relevant to Kilayim, is that it's forbidden to eat the fat of a domesticated animal. But you are allowed to eat the fat of a wild animal, as long as that animal is kosher. So according to the Tanakama who holds it a domesticated animal, you would not be able to eat the fat. But according to Rabbi Yaisi, you would. Next, Kelev. A dog, according to Tanakama, in Chaya, it's considered a wild animal. So, for example, if somebody were to sell all his wild animals to, an, to another person, the dog would be included. However, Rabbi Meir Omer, Rabbi Meir says, Min Behemoth, it's actually considered a domesticated animal. Next, Chazir, a pig, Min Behemoth, that's considered a domesticated animal. Oroid, a wild donkey, is considered Min Chaya, it's considered a wild animal. And therefore, it would not be able to be mated or worked with a regular donkey, because a regular donkey is a behemoth, and it's considered a totally different animal. Hapil v'hakoif, an elephant and a monkey, minchaya, they are considered to be wild animals. And now the Mishnah ends off this peric by telling us that the Odom, a person, mutarim kulam, is permitted with all of them, all animals, whether they're domesticated or not, limshoich, to pull a wagon or something else for lachreish, and to plow or a hanheg and to lead an animal, meaning that kilayim of animals does not apply to a human being. The Torah says, You can't use an ox and a donkey to plow together. So even though we explained earlier on in the Perek that it's not limited to those two animals specifically, it's just a common example, nevertheless that does limit it to animals. So a person would be able to work together with another animal, and that is learned from that posuk. The ninth and final peric of Masechus Kilayim discusses the fourth category of Kilayim, which we haven't yet discussed, and that is known as Shatnas. And the basic prohibition of Shatnas is that one is not allowed to wear clothes which contain both wool and linen in them. 
Now, when it came to Klei Behemar, climb of animals, although the Torah says that you can't work an ox and a donkey together, we interpret that to include all different animals. However, when it comes to Klaim of, of clothes, Klei Vagodim, the Torah says you shall not wear shatnas, which is wool and linen together. We don't interpret that to mean all different materials, that you can never mix materials together. Rather, the only thing which is prohibited and included of kilayim of clothes is wool and linen. Fishtim actually literally means flax, but linen is made from flax, so both flax and linen would be included in pishtim, and semer includes wool which comes from a sheep specifically. Now, while we're on the topic, the Mishnah tells us as well that another thing which is specific to wool and linen only is with regards to tsaras. Tsaras is a type of tumor, a type of impurity, which appears as spots, either on a person's body, on a person's clothes, or on a person's house. And the tsaras which comes on a person's clothes will only make the clothes tome if they are made out of wool or linen. The only clothes which can become tome with tsaras is is just wool or linen clothes. And that again is explicitly mentioned in the Torah that it says When somebody will have tsaras on a woolen piece of clothing or clothing from flax. And a third thing which is specific to wool and linen, and this is actually connected to Kilayim once again, and that is with regards to the big day kahuna, the clothes which a Kohen wears in the Beis HaMikdosh when he's working in the Beis HaMikdosh. And one of those items of clothing is the avnate, the belt which he would wear. And whereas all of the other clothes which he would wear were made purely out of linen, the avnate, the belt, was made out of both wool and linen. The Torah says so explicitly. It says that the belt should contain techiles, which is made of wool, as well as our gomon and telas shoni. These are all pieces of wool which are dyed in different colours. And as well as that, it contained bad and sheish, which were types of linen. So the Torah explicitly says that an avnate contains both wool and linen. So this is an exception to the kilayim, it's an exception to shatnas, which the Torah explicitly gives. So the mission tells us that in akonim leushim leshamish vesamedrash elot semer ufishtim. The Kanu cannot serve in the Bishamikdosh without wearing both wool and linen together, meaning that they have to wear the garments. They have to wear the big dekahuna, and one of them contain kilayim, but of course that's okay and actually necessary, because the Torah says that the avnit contains kilayim. Now the hair of a camel is called in Hebrew tzemer, which is the same word for wool. However, the tzemer which the Torah refers to in the prohibition of kilayim is specifically the wool of a sheep. And therefore the mission tells us that The hair of a camel with the wool of a sheep, which somebody mixed together, and now you've got this material which is made up of both wool and another material. So in Rovman Hagamalim, if the majority of this mixture is the hair of the camels, then the wool is bottle berov, which means it's nullified by the majority. Since the majority is not wool, we consider the entire mixture not to be wool, so much so that mutter, it's permitted to actually mix that with linen and then wear that piece of clothing, because we consider that to be a mixture of linen and camel hair. But if the majority of the mixture is from the wool, if it's from the sheep, then also it's forbidden to mix it with linen, because we would consider that entire mixture to be wool. And what happens if it's exactly half-half? So half of it is wool. So in that case, the wool is not lanified. We don't view the entire mixture as the camel's hair. So therefore there is wool in this mixture, which means that also it's forbidden to mix it with linen and to wear that. The truth is you are allowed to mix it. There's no prohibition within kilayim to actually make a piece of clothing which has kilayim. We saw that at the beginning of the previous parak. 
The only prohibition involved is to wear it. And the Mishnah adds on at the end, The same would apply to linen, to flax and kanbois, which was mixed together. And kanbois is again similar to flax, but it's not actually flax. And therefore, if the majority of the mixture is kanbois, then we consider the entire mixture to be considered kanbois. And therefore, you would be able to mix that with wool and then wear that piece of clothing. Mishnah base. This Mishnah has three parts, and the first part tells us that hashiroim v'hakoloch. These are two types of silk. Hashiraim is a soft, fine type of silk, and in that way it's similar to linen. And koloch is a much coarser silk, although it's also soft, like wool. So strictly speaking, they are not included in the prohibition of kilayim. If they were both contained in a piece of clothing, you would be able to wear that, because as we said in the previous Mishnah, shatness only applies to wool and linen. But it's still forbidden to wear a garment which contains these two materials. And the reason for this is because in those days, silk was not so common. When people saw these two types of silk, they thought that it looked like wool and linen and that this garment was shatness, and therefore because of Maisa iron, because it appears like you're doing an Avera, it was forbidden to wear a garment which contained these two types of silk. Now the Torah says, That clothing which contains shatness shall not go up on you, meaning you cannot wear it on you, which implies that mats and pillows, cushions, are not included in the prohibition of kilayim, because those you sit upon, you don't wear them on you, rather you sit on them, and therefore it's permitted. However, as long as one's flesh, as long as one's skin does not touch them, then it's okay to lie on them. But if they are touching, if your skin does touch the cushions, then that is too similar to it being on you, and therefore it's forbidden midjabanon. Now the truth is, the Yerushalmi explains that we're talking about hard mats here, and hard cushions, but soft cushions, even if your skin does not touch them, it's still forbidden midjabanon, because we're worried the part of the cushion might come off, it might be slightly worn away, and it will end up sticking to you, in which case you'll have kilaim on you. So to prevent that occurring, it is forbidden Majabonon even to sit on cushions which contain both wool and linen. Okay, third part of the Mishnah, and this is very important, Ein Chilayim. It's forbidden to wear Kilayim even temporarily. Even a piece of clothing which, let's say, somebody does not consider significant. Let's say somebody would only wear this piece of clothing indoors. So you might think it's not considered a significant item of clothing. Nevertheless, says the Mishnah, it does not need to be considered significant. Rather, any article of clothing cannot be worn if it contains both wool and linen. One cannot wear an item of clothing which contains kilayim, even on top of ten other items of clothing. So even if you're not benefiting at all from the kilayim, and even if it's put on you in a way that you're not going to keep it on for very long, it's still forbidden, even to steal the tax. And what we're referring to here is tax, which is illegal. If, let's say, there's a powerful official in the area who tries to force people to give him tax, but it's not actually authorized or legal, so often the official would tax the person, but not for the clothing which he was wearing. So if somebody wanted to avoid having to give this tax on more clothing, so he'll try and put more clothes on, so he does not have to pay for them. So the Mishnah says that since you can't put clothing on temporarily if it contains kilayim, so even in this situation you would not be able to put those clothings on, even if it means you'll have to pay for them, because you cannot wear kilayim even for one second.